The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 chip. Winds up in the far corner. Sharks will recover a loose stick. Bear, what a chip by Ryan Strom to win it. Off a setup from Ethan Bear. And the Oilers prevail. 4-3 in overtime. Ryan Strom wins it. Beauty pass from Ethan Bear to Ryan Strom in OT. Connor McDavid gets the other assist, and the Oilers hold off the Cologne Sharks for a 4-3 victory. The Oilers out shooting Cologne almost a 2-1 ratio this morning, but the Sharks kept rallying. Oilers led 1-0, 2-1, 3-2 every time the Sharks were able to tie it up, including a power play goal late in the third. But Ryan Strom makes the difference as the Oilers end their preseason with a record of 7-1. It starts for real Saturday against the New Jersey Devils. Hey, thanks for tuning in. A much earlier than usual edition of Overtime Open Line. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, and you. You can call 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We'll get to the phone calls in uh, just a second. Rob, but first of all, we uh, we were starting to break it down uh, when we had uh, Bob reconnect there from Germany to finish his network show. Uh, Ethan Bear, you know, showing his ability with the puck there in overtime. Well, I don't think there's any question that Ethan Bear has the hockey intelligence to play at the National Hockey League level, level especially when he has the puck on his stick. I think that. Uh, if he were to start the season in the minors, it'll be to continue to progress in the defensive end, defending how to play a rush, uh, body positioning in front of the net, things that uh, he never had to really excel at in junior hockey because he was such an offensive threat. So, uh, But having him out on a 3-on-3 overtime situation plays right into his strengths. And McDavid, McDavid finds him with the puck. And what I liked what Bear did, he didn't stop, he didn't set. As soon as the puck came on a stick, he had his head up and he knew exactly where the open man was. And he got the puck to him quickly and right in a, a perfect area for Strom just to deflect it. So uh, Strom scored the goal with nifty little handwork. McDavid carried the puck around, but it was the, 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 the thought that Ethan Bear had putting into his plays the one that made the goal. New Jersey beat Bern 3-2 in overtime. Uh, the, the Swiss League, you know, be- better than the German League overall, I-, I would say. The Oilers win 4-3 in overtime against Cologne, so both the NHL teams need overtime. I, I was wondering about this game. I, I mean, it- is it one of those, Rob, if the Oilers go out and win 6-1, people say, well, big deal, you beat a non-NHL team 6-1, but if you beat them by a goal or need overtime or, or even lose, which New Jersey and the Oilers could have, then... People are saying, well, how did you not win by more? Is it kind of a no-win for NHL teams in this situation? Well, A, for, it also shows how good the leagues around the world are. I mean, there's a lot of very good hockey players not playing in the National Hockey League. Uh, it, it's tough for, in this game because the importance of the game is bigger for Cologne than it is for the Oilers. Uh, this is their Stanley Cup. There's players out on, on Cologne that are, have never played against this level of competition. They're playing against McDavid, against Drysaddle, against Lucic, players that they watch them on watch on TV. So they're, they're, this is their Stanley Cup, their Olympic gold medal game, whereas the Oilers, uh, they're having fun doing it. Uh, you could see them trying to get Leon his goal. They want to stay healthy. They don't want to be injured in the final game before the regular season starts. So I think you saw a little more pep, especially as the game went on with Cologne, because... As the game stayed close, 
Now they had a belief. Mm-hmm. And if they would have won this game, the place would have went nuts. So uh, I, I think from a, an NHL standpoint, this is perfect. The NHL teams won. They won in competitive, fun games. They both went to overtime and made for a successful trip uh, on this little series for the NHL. All right, a lot to get to. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the Oilers' uh, power play, which uh, once again enjoyed passing the puck a lot. Hopefully that doesn't carry over into the regular season. We have Rob on the line. Hey, Rob. Uh, good morning, guys. Hi. Hey, first off, I'd like to thank you and Rob for the end of last season. Uh, I won one of your parking passes, and I just got back from Vegas. Oh, cool. Well, and I hope you're much wealthier than when you went to Vegas. No. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. What's but, on your mind today? It was it was 38 degrees every day, so and Fat Tuesdays was great. Well, good stuff. Good for <laughs> you. Yeah, the power play. I think that first unit needs a shooter. They have too many guys, like you said. They just pass and pass and pass, and uh, five left shot guys. They need somebody that's a one timer, and I don't think any one of those guys will one time. It may be cleft bomb, but the other four not so much. Well, for it to be successful, they need. McDavid setting up on his normal side, on his left wing side. That gives him four one-timers. Uh, when the puck goes to the offside, whoever has the puck on that side, they have nobody that can one time the can pass the puck to one time it because he has four left-handed guys to shoot to, and they're all on their forehands. So, in a perfect world, uh, you would have three lefties and two righties. And unfortunately for the Oilers, they don't have that set up yet. Now, the 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 five left-handed power play will start the year. And then its success or non-success will dictate when it gets changed. And eventually, eventually you'll see a Pugliarvi there. You'll see a Strom possibly there, maybe a Yamamoto. But this is just to start the season, and it will change. Yeah, I, I, that's a big discuss. That's a big discussion point, Rob, for sure. And it, it'd be like, I, I understand why they're doing it. You put all the the three creative guys on one power play, but it is odd that they shoot left. And the the power they their power play percentage is okay in the preseason. Uh, today, Lucic scores off the rush. Uh, Pugliarvi had one off the rush. Kara had one off the rush. So it's great they're getting power play goals, but they're not getting them off the the setup. Lucic did get one earlier in the postseason. So I I, I do worry about it, and hopefully uh, they're a lot more flexible with it than they were last season. If they got to change the personnel, second power play has what? Four right-handed shots? Yeah, well, they were rotating through six guys today. Raddy, Bear, Yamamoto, Strom, Kajula, and Puliyarvi all saw power play time, and Kara has in past games. So they kind of got seven options, depending on who's in. It'll change. The game is what it was. It's just a preseason, but Saturday will be the big test. Oh, for sure. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, boys. Yeah, and I wonder if they do... I know Bob and I talked about this when you were away too, Rob. If, if they do change the first unit power play, and I don't think they're going to rush to make a change, but I don't think they're going to wait, a, you know, 10, 12, 15 no, games if it's not producing. You know, Bob thought the change might be Lucic out for Ratty as a net presence. I mean, I would wonder if you would maybe move... Nuge to the second power play and put Raddy or Strom on the other side for a right-hand shot? Honestly, it'd be easier to move Dreisaitl mm-hmm. because Nugent Hopkins is playing with McDavid. So if McDavid's starting the power play, it makes sense to have Nugent Hopkins because they're on the same line together. Um, trading out Raddy for Lucci really doesn't change your uh, one-timer 
problem because if Raddy's standing in front of the net, he's not going to be one-timing the puck. And actually, the lefty in front of the net's easier to pass to, as we've seen um, Dreisaitl hit Lucic with a goal earlier in this year. Right. Because when you're standing in front of the net, you don't have time to, to one-time it. You're in a bad angle. So having a right-hander in front doesn't help the Oilers. Having a right-hander cross ice will help the Oilers. Having a right-hander on the back end will help the Oilers. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised that if they, if and when they do make a change, it'll be Dreisaitl moving to a different unit, and he will be running a power play from uh, the spot that he finds comfortable. But I, they're going to start the season with the lefties and see how they do, and, and Connor and Nuge and, and Leon will dictate how long they stay together as a power play. 4-3, the Oilers beat the Cologne Sharks. The scores for the Oilers, Reader, Lucic on the power play, Raddy and Strom in OT. We want to get into, into Raddy's goal and his game as we move along, but our old buddy Sirius Gord is calling in. Must be a slow morning in Innisfail, Gord. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a cold one. I'll <laughs> give you that. How much snow did you get? Uh, I'm in Red Deer right now. We probably got about three or four inches down and everything's nice and frozen and icy and should be fun driving home tonight. Alright, well stay safe, buddy. What's on your mind this morning? So, I got a question for Rob, and I hope you guys had a good summer. I, I, did, I certainly did. Rob, when you played preseason, how intense did you play those games? It depends what part of my career you're talking about. The <laughs> ones when I had a job security or the ones where I was fighting for a job. When I was fighting for a job, it was it was like a playoff game for me. And that was mainly the last half of my career. The beginning part of my career, uh, it wasn't as uh, serious. It wasn't as, you know, oh, if I have a bad game tonight, if I have a bad shift, I'm in trouble. So job security is certainly make, plays a, a role in, in not the effort, but, you know, just the, the details. And I think, right. I think when, as you get closer to the start of the National Hockey League season, it's always in the back of your mind is, is staying healthy. Um, you, you don't want to, in Cologne, Germany today, uh, take a puck off the foot that keeps you out six weeks and misses the start of a regular season game. So uh, you, it, it's like the, the, the intensity in the playoff picks up from a regular season. Everyone says, why can't you be that intense in the regular season? Well, your body just can't do it. And that's the same when you see exhibition uh, regular season. The intensity will be much higher on, on Saturday against the New Jersey Devils. So in that vein, mm-hmm. um, you know, you weren't going into the boards and crushing the defense on every chance you got in a preseason game, especially if it wasn't a vital uh, a vital year for you. Yep. I'm look. I'm looking at. You know, I, I have no concerns whatsoever that this team is going to be able to score. I, I don't think that's a problem. And frankly, you mentioned a power play. I'd like to see somebody try uh, Kara instead of Lucic in, in front of the net. If we're going to block up the net, let's get a guy who actually seems to be playing with some intensity. Yep. Um, but, you know, maybe put a bit of a fright into Lucic. If he doesn't get that power play time, his stats are going to be as bad as, as he's ever had in his career. But on the defensive side, <clears throat> I, you know, we can I don't think we can take many lessons from the from the preseason. You had two guys playing for a position with the kind of intensity you, you outlined, Rob. That would be Bear and Bouchard <coughs> going up against forwards most of the time who weren't playing for their for their uh, NHL career lives. They weren't getting pressured. I think once that puck drops and on Friday and, and going forward, these guys are going to see a level of intensity from from the forwards coming in on a lot higher than they've ever experienced in their lives. Not and and on top of that, I'm looking at look at the experience on this team. How many uh, uh, read? How many of our defensemen have more than 300 games in the NHL? Two. Uh, Garrison and Russell. 
Uh, yeah, because okay, Cliff Bomb's not going to play like ten minutes. So. Yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, yeah, no, that's fair, man. It's for, a good for, point for, you for said. Sure. I mean, look at when you're a veteran playing an exhibition season. Unless you're a moron like Wilson out of Washington, you're not. You're not driving anyone through the boards. You're not. Right. It, it, you're right. It's completely different. Where all of a sudden the regular season starts, it matters, and the 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 four check is going to be much harder. The finished checks on the four check going to be much harder. You don't have the time and space. There's a number of times in today's game where you watched. Uh, a defenseman have the puck on his stick, and the forward does a little bit of a swoop. The defenseman just, you know, kind of makes a little teeny move, and the forward just swings right by him. And now all of a sudden, the defenseman, say nurse or someone, has an extra two, three seconds. You don't get that regular season, and that's why you see so many years. You go through the all the NHL teams and look at their scoring, and you'll have, for example, a Yamamoto last year, a bunch of points. Regular season starts. Oh, it's much harder. So uh, any every team in the National Hockey, you'll go through, and there'll be three or four players that you've never heard of. And two months from now, they won't be on that team anymore because they can't continue at a higher level, which they're going to see once the season starts. Yeah, I was just double checking. Larson's up to 416 now, so he would and uh, Clef's at 255 career games. I, I you know, Gordon, I, I think you make a general point that we we've, we've discussed over the summer too. Sure. That, that I think preventing goals is, is going to be the issue, despite some of the frustrations of, of the power play in the preseason. I don't think it will be last. I think it'll score more than 31 goals. I mean, they went from 57 goals down to 31 last year. If they can get split that difference halfway, that swings the goal differential. Uh, you know, Talbot looks pretty good in the preseason. Hopefully they can see this. But, I, yes, I think how the depth defensemen handle the pressure of the regular season, that's, that's question mark number one for me. Other people might have different ones. But, you know, when I start looking at five, six, seven, who's going to be in those spots, like you said, night after night, intense forecheck, experienced forwards, that's my biggest question mark for the team. Mm. Um, real quick, if I could. Yep. Um, my concern isn't so much for the goal scoring against us. It's getting us out of our own end. That's my real concern. If you're looking for, and, and the big defensive pairing that worries me is if we have Chris Russell where he is the key guy on a defensive pairing, we're in big trouble. I've watched Russell a lot, and you guys have as well. You know uh, Lidstrom in Detroit? When you're trying to coach against uh, Detroit Red Wings, did you ever tell your forwards to pass the puck into Lidstrom's corner? Right? Never. And Russell flourishes much better when he is the second person on the pairing, the second best player in the pairing. The puck comes down to him, he dishes it over to the other guy, Larson, whoever, and they get it out. If he's the guy that isn't being keyed on, the defensive pairing really struggles. And I think the biggest problem we're going to be talking about is the defense just can't get the puck back and get it out of the out of the. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. you got to transition the puck but if, having, they yeah, if they don't get it up. Having said that, you go around the National Hockey League, the 5-6 defenseman on every team is going to be the same. Agreed. So, I mean, every team, there, there's very few teams. There'd be a handful that have depth defensemen that you feel pretty confident against anyone in the National Hockey League. So, And those teams will win. And those like are the Tampa teams, Bay, yes. Nashville. Yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. that's the difference between a great team in the NHL and, and the teams that are trying to chase that. So, I mean, Russell, you're right. He's, he's a better player if he's a support defenseman. But due exactly. to injuries, he's going to be pushed into a bit bigger role. Gord, follow up on this point eight or ten games into the season, okay? Don't worry. Okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks, buddy. That's serious scored at 11:24. Oilers beat Cologne 4-3 in overtime. Well, so Clef, uh, pardon me, Larson and Russell didn't play tomorrow. Today, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the Oilers don't play at all tomorrow, actually, everybody. They just played today. Uh, they didn't play today. Um, I would expect at least one. To Sounds like Larson is pretty likely to come back. Well, Russell's on injured reserve. Mm-hmm. So you could put Clefbaum and Larson back together, Nurse and Benning. Now, then is it either... Russell or Garrison with Bear? Like, did Bear do enough? He starts the regular season as the third pair on the right side? Right uh, side on the third pair? He had a good game. I know normally we get game notes after the game, which helps us, you know, see who the coaches had a lot of trust in in the game. We'll see ice time. And, uh, and it was hard today because we didn't get that. Uh, but having Bear out in overtime shows a level of trust that he gained tonight from the coaching staff. And the one thing that we've seen over the past number of years with Todd is when he trusts somebody in one game, he tends to trust them going forward until they uh, lose his trust. And with Bear playing out there the way he played today and, and being out there in overtime, you feel like, oh, you know what? Coaches seem to have a little bit more trust in Ethan as a, as a hockey player right now. So uh, I, I thought Ethan had a good game. Again, when the puck's on his stick, just like Bouchard, when the puck's on their stick, you feel very confident they're going to make the right play. It's the defending part they got to work on, and as most young defensemen do when they come into the National Hockey League. Yeah, I thought Bear had a better game than Bouchard today. Yep. I, well, do you Overall. remember? I don't. I don't really remember a lot of Bouchard no. tonight. No. Well, quite frankly, Oscar Clefbaum didn't have a good game. True. With, with, some, with the mm-hmm. puck on his stick. And I mean, some some of the Oilers, I don't know if all of them, but I, I think some of them, especially early, had a bit of the Globetrotters mentality. Like, let's be pretty and get it to to Leon. Like, there were some passes that I hope they don't try No, but in, it, in the regular season. True, but the, those players that were doing that were mainly the Nugent Hopkins and the McDavid's, yeah. and they've earned the right to make whatever play they want, but you didn't see the other players doing that. This was actually, I thought it was a quiet game for Pugliarvi. I didn't notice him as much as I had in other preseason games. Um... So I, I, I just think, as the one call, it, it's just a different atmosphere in this game going into it. Because yeah, you can it, tell yourself it means a lot, but deep down... It does, because it, 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 you're not lining up against the Anaheim Ducks or the Calgary Flames. You're lining up against a bunch of guys that, uh, you, honestly, you had to hockey DB them before the game to see if they've ever played uh, pro hockey in, in the United States or in Canada. So it was tough, and it showed in the game. I think it, it was a good game to watch simply because it was close. There were some pretty plays by both teams. But as a fan... And working for the Oilers, to me, the biggest thing is they came through this game without injury, and they can now start setting themselves up for the game against the New Jersey Devils when it really counts. All right, we'll uh, talk a little bit about Ty Ratty's game. More time for your phone call, 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. It's sent in deep by the Oilers. Loose in the corner, snagged by Connor McDavid. Benning. Here's Darnell Nurse. Shot redirected home by Ty Ratty and the Oilers right back in front, 3-2, to two, and Ratty stays hot. Yeah. Tell me about it, Jack. Eight goals in five preseason games for Ty Ratty as the Oilers beat Cologne 4-3 in overtime. Ryan Strom got the winner. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line. So Ratty, you know, we didn't get the final stats for today. Ratty going into this game had a shooting percentage of 46.7. He got at least one other shot that I can remember today. So he'll be between 45 and 50, depending on how many shots he gets credited with. Now, we know he will not do that in the regular season, but... 
he does do a lot of things that help him have, hopefully, a higher than average shooting percentage once we get rolling. Well, he's playing in the right areas. He's right in front of the net. And you and I had a conversation when he scored his goal that a lot of people say, oh, it was a lucky bounce. The puck came in, bounced off a defenseman's stick, or excuse me, skate, bounced right in front of the net where he was, and he put it into a wide open net. And it was a very fortunate bounce for Raddy. But I don't think he's lucky he was there. He was smart to be there. There's a, another example we talked earlier in the game where uh, Milan Lucic drove through and then went and stood on the goal line beside the net. And we're saying, no, he can't be there. He's got to be in front of that. That's where the action is. And what we've seen in the preseason, Raddy, Yamamoto, guys like that, not big men, but knowing what area to go to score goals. If you're uh, an offensive player in junior, it usually means because you're hanging around the net. And in the National Hockey League, it gets harder and harder to score from the outside. Raddy doesn't have a big shot. Yamamoto, who I believe was third on the team in scoring in preseason, doesn't have a big shot. But they hang out in the good areas. And when lucky plays or fortunate bounces happen, they're there to capitalize. So you got to be good to be lucky. And Raddy was very good at being in the right spots. And when the bounces happen to turn his way, he's able to finish off. So uh, Raddy was, he came in with a, a goal. And that was to be on Connor McDavid's line to start the regular season. And he did everything possible right in the preseason to put him there come Saturday. Yeah, for sure. He'll definitely be in that spot. Uh, I got a text from Ken to 630-630. He says, Talbot has looked very good. My concern is who will back him up. Doesn't look like we have the man yet. Well, Ken, they do, <laughs> regardless of how comfortable you are with him or not. I mean, Miko Koskinen is the goalie. Uh, I know the story broke last week that, that, he ha- that he has a no movement clause as well, which means he'd have to waive that to be sent down to Bakersfield, though I don't think that was ever in the cards anyway. Rob, Rob and I discussed this. It, it, it was... And life ain't fair, folks, and pro sports ain't fair. It was never a competition between Miko Koskinen and Al Montoya or anybody else. Did the Oilers get a guy that can do the job? I have no idea. I I mean, we don't know. I mean, and today, again... They they find a way to go through. They they find a way, and and that was the thing about the second... Okay, the third one on the power play, you know, okay, Cologne got the setup. Uh, What was the first one again? First one with... Oh, the nice pass. Nice pass, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But, but again, that second one, yes, it's a point-blank opportunity, but it looked like it kind of went between his glove and his mm. hip, and those are the ones you worry about, right? And as a goalie, I mean, Mont- Montoya gave us, gave us that great line last year, stop the ones you should and a few that you shouldn't, yeah. and you'll be playing goal in the NHL. And, I mean, that's type of goalie Talbot's been most of the time. Well, it, yeah, it, he has, and, and it's one of the reasons that the Oilers... To me, the biggest reason the others made the playoffs two years ago was the play of Talbot. Um, what we, well, you and I, when I was here before I went away for a bit, we, Koskinen had another tough start, and we're saying there might be a goalie controversy in the back end. And my thought at that point was, you don't play Montoya anymore, just so you don't have a controversy. Right. You know, get rid of Montoya so that if he goes on out of a shutout, because they they need Koskinen to be here at two and a half million dollars. So and even more so now that you find out he's got a no-move clause. So uh, he was going to be the backup, and he's going to get games in the regular season. Now, they can forget everything that happened in the preseason if he goes out and gets them points. He gives them chances to win come regular season. Having said that, it's, he's got a tough contract to move, too. If, if he struggles out of the gate and you've got a $2.5 million goaltender, nobody's picking him up. Well, no, and he'd have to, again, he'd have yeah. to wave the clause anyway. So, no one's, yeah, no one would want him anyway. Right now, you, if you're Peter Shirelli, you've got two fingers crossed, you've got your toes crossed, and hope that this is the guy that you saw play uh, over in the KHL. And if not, then you're going to see Cam Talbot getting a 
uh, a bigger workload than they wanted to give them because the Oilers need to get off to a good start this season, and they will put whatever goaltender they feel gives them a chance in net, and Koskinen will get a start, and if he does nothing with his start, then you'll see Talbot start stealing starts from his backup. Yep. Jay says, for heaven's sake, what else does Bear have to do? You have injuries, and Bear has contributed offensively, a trait not even the veterans or the prized rookie Bouchard have done. He's played his way onto this team. Simple as that. Well, that's that's fair. That's I, fair. I'd, I agree. I'd put, I'd put him in the first game. Um, well, it depends if Russell and Larson are back. That's two defensemen coming oh, in. Oh, sure, if they both come, come back, back then, yeah. then we'll see. Yes. Yeah, then if that's the case, then you won't see him in... I doubt you'll see him then, because at some point. Well, unless you took Garrison out and put. Well, how many? Con- they, they don't have enough. Con- they have, I don't think they have enough spots though. Well, if they activated Russell. Yeah, then right, then Bear goes then down to the right minors. Signed to the age. Yeah, so I mean, to me, it comes down to contracts. If if both defensemen are healthy, uh, Bear won't be here to start the regular season. Uh, of course, somebody just texted in. The Oilers should look at this German goalie. Well, they played two today. Gustav Veslau played the first period, 12 saves on 13 shots. Hannibal Weitzman, who actually plays in a lower division of German hockey. If you were watching on TV, you may have heard the the story. Like he's buddies with Drysital, so he got to play the last 40 minutes of this game, and he made the second best save that we've seen in an Oilers preseason game because yes. Talbot's in Vancouver is number one, uh, and I don't think the Oilers are going to go sign either of these guys. But that that was an awesome save he, Weitzman made on Reader in the second. Period. Well, and it's something that this kid's going to get um, the the DVD made of that save and played over and over on a on his Apple TV in his house. If anyone comes over, they're going to see him making this cross ice save all day long it was it was a great opportunity for him and he took advantage of it because at that when he came in i thought oh game's over got a division two goaltender coming in but he stood on his head played above himself obviously and uh you're happy that the cologne fans had something to cheer about in their game today oilers win 4-3 in overtime ryan strome got the game winner a couple of assists for connor mcdavid they will move on to play new jersey in sweden on saturday we have that one for you on 6 30 chad the game will start at 11 of course we have the face-off show before that, Sammy texting in saying uh, about Pugliarve, what's the hesitation to try to put him up in the line or to try him up in the lineup, seeing as nobody has really run with the opportunity on Leon's right side to this point? That is from Sammy. Uh, well, we're going to get a lot of questions about Pugliarve because he showed some progress from last year in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he had success playing with Strom in the preseason, so why mess that up? You'd, to me. you'd leave that line together. I'd leave now. that line together for now and just. I just think he's the first right side guy who gets bumped up, though, if they really need somebody. True. No. And they'll keep giving him a chance. Once again, this is exhibition season, so they got to see what these players are going to do when it really counts. And that, that includes Raddy, that includes Yamamoto. Um, but I think that they like the way that Strom uh, plays with Pulley They like the way that Pulley can assert himself more playing with Strom than he would if he was playing with a, a dry settler or McDavid. Dry settler likes transporting the puck from the off from his defensive zone up. Uh, McDavid and Nugent Hopkins likes doing that uh, on the first line. Pugliarvi, he enjoys transporting. He likes the puck on his stick. He has more of an opportunity to do that when he's playing with Strom than he would if he was playing with dry settler or McDavid. Again, uh, being around the Oilers and playing in the league, the sweaters where they're hung or the colors you have in practice do not cement themselves for weeks, months at an end. If Pugliarvi starts the season with Strom, game two he could be playing with McDavid. So um, hockey players usually don't look very far into the future when they're on a certain line because they know it changes shift to shift. 
A couple people asking about Russell playing on Saturday since he just went on the seven-day injured reserve yesterday, but you can do that retroactive to when... He last the played. Injury, so when he yeah. last played. So, mm-hmm. so it, 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 if I'm understanding that properly, he could be activated in time to play Saturday. Uh, Rob from Stony Plains says, what does Cassian bring to the Oilers? The only time you hear his name is for a lazy penalty or lack of effort. Time to move on from him. They He's need- got to play better than yep. last year. Oh, yeah, and uh, they didn't see a lot in the exhibition season either. Now, it's harder for a player like that in ex- exhibition season because they play off intensity, they play off emotion, and most exhibition games don't have either to the extent of what they're going to have in a regular season game. But, yeah, he had a very down year last year. He's got to bring a, a, a type of game that plays on the edge every time he steps on the ice. And if he does, he's incredibly infect- effective, and we saw that during the playoff run. Mm -hmm. What we saw last year was a player that seemed um, lost in the clouds at some times. Yeah, and supposed to help kill penalties. Was part of a really bad... I mean, Strom and Kara kind of pushed him down in the the penalty-killing pecking order a little bit even. Well, he had, at one point last year, like five blocked shots on the season when he was a a penalty killer. Late in the season, I think he had four blocked shots. Yeah, so... A regular he, penalty killer. So I mean, that means you're not. You should block shots. On yeah, that. you should be getting into lane. So you're absolutely right. I think this is the first 10, 15 games are very, very important to Cassian and because look, the others have player. A good player will be sitting out to start the season, and they've signed a player in, in Chason who's very, very similar to, to Cassian. He's a fourth line type of guy that is smart, and he's got a Stanley Cup under his belt. So and he scored a little more than Cassian. He's, yes. not, he's not as he's not as tough. He's not nope, going to fight. But. Fighting. But if he checks more consistently, yep. Because I, you know, I wonder they got 14 forwards. So today, Chason and Kara were scratched. Kara's obviously going to be going to yep. be back in. I mean, I think if we're looking at 12, 13, 14, it's probably between Kajula, Cassian, and Chason. Chason. Yep. Two two of those three would sit out at least to start the season. I see it the same way. Yeah. Because Cassian, you know, again, like you said, we always say it's preseason, but. Casting didn't really do anything where you say like, oh yeah, he's he's ready to go. There he is. There wasn't a lot of that from him. No, I mean no physical play at all. And again, it's exhibition. There's not much physical play in the game. But come Saturday, Cassian every time he's on the shift, he needs to throw a body check. Yeah. And over the course of the season, there it starts to wear down the opposition. There's a little bit of intimidation factor. The one thing that Cassian can do is when he's physical, he's fast. So like his hits hurt. And he's got to be every single time he's on the ice. And the fourth line, if you're a fourth line player, you've got to do something special to earn extra ice time. Because if the top three lines are going to eat up the ice time, the fourth line's minutes are dictated on how they played the shift before. It's 11.45. The Oilers get a 4-3 overtime win over the Cologne Sharks, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. we got time to hear from you, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. All right, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. It is 11:49. No Jess Bo today. We gave him the morning off as we bring you Oilers hockey. They have beaten 
the Cologne Sharks 4-3 in overtime. Reader in the first period. Ackeson tied it in the second for the Sharks. Lucic got one back on the power play. Mueller tied it early in the third. Raddy came back 20 seconds later. And then a power play goal by Hanowski with 7.22 to go. Sent it to overtime. And then Ryan Strom tipping in a pass from Ethan Bear, the game winner, 2.07 into the extra frame. So the Oilers win at 4-3 on the Advantage Trailer Rentals Out of Town scoreboard. Well, the regular season starts tonight, Rob, and uh, a Montreal-Toronto showdown to start the season, but talk about different expectations <laughs> for those two clubs. Well, yeah, you got one team that is trending up. The Toronto Maple Leafs went all in. They get Tavares. They've got a very good team to start with. Uh, they're a team that are many expecting to go quite a ways this year. The Montreal Canadiens, on the other hand, They've made some moves over the last couple of years that have not turned out well for them. Uh, and they, I mean, to me, are a non-play. I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs are fighting for a conference championship. I think the Montreal Canadiens are trying to stay out of the bottom two on the season. So this uh, and it might not be a mismatch tonight, but it is a mismatch on paper. The Toronto Maple Leafs are going to have a very good season. Capitals will raise the banner against the Boston Bruins. I mean, Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, all in that Atlantic division, all really good last year. And it was it was interesting going into last year's playoffs because another strong regular season by Washington. You know, a lot of people didn't talk to them, talk about them very much going into the playoffs because we were so used to them. Ah, they'll hit a wall second round, usually Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, but now the whole aura around that team changes. What do you think should happen to Wilson for that hit against the Blues? Well, you and I talked about it off air, and I, I've never seen it on a big screen. Every time I see it, it's, it's usually on a tablet or on a phone. If it was directed at the head, to me it's 10 games because it just he hasn't learned. Right. He hasn't learned a lesson. And uh, you have to send a message right now. You're making good money now. Well, we're going to take some of that money away. Maybe we'll teach you a lesson this way. And if you go through all the others' exhibition games this year, and I talked about it, how the intensity isn't as high, not a lot of physical contact out there, he's still a predator out there. In exhibition, uh, a defenseless player, there's no need, need for him to do what he did. So I, to me, it's a 10-game ten, ten suspension. And next time he does something dumb like that, start doubling up 20, 30, 40, whatever it takes. Yeah, well, and again, the repeat offender angle, three, mm-hmm. three suspensions last year. So I wonder if that will be just and, as important as any headshot type stuff. And I think he had two in the preseason last year. Like, just dumb. So, yeah, I think he's just give him 10 games and go from there. Flames are going to play the Canucks. A lot of hype around that Elias Pettersson for Vancouver. A lot of people picking him to win the Calder Trophy. Well, we watched him earlier in the preseason, and both of us were like, oh, this kid's good. Like, he, he's smart. He's smooth. Uh, he's going to be a very good player on a team that's going to work hard, but uh, I believe are going to be a bottom two team in, in, in the Western Conference in the Canucks. On the other hand, I like what the Flames have done. They put together a nice team. They made some moves. Uh, I think that the Calgary Flames are a playoff caliber team this year, and there should be a lot of fun when the Oilers and the Flames start playing you know, Alberta games because you're going to have two very good teams fighting for playoff spots. Good forward depth. Uh, defense can mm-hmm. move the puck for the Flames. One uh, question mark. Is yeah, but everybody, what I, I think the Flames are going to be good, and some people have agreed with me, and some people have said, no, Smith can't do it, but until I, I, I know he's getting at mm-hmm. that age, 36, 37, but there hasn't been that big drop off yet. You know, Kelly. I had Kelly Rudy on Inside Sports last night. He said, you know, he's he's close. He's close, but he probably still has another year in him. But that's going to be a storyline for them. The Ducks play the Sharks. The Sharks already had a good roster. They went out and got Eric Carlson. I think they're going to finish first in the Pacific. Anaheim's an interesting one to me. You know, older roster. Um, uh, Perry's out for a mm-hmm. while. 
Uh, and, you know, I know looking through preseason, the publications and the websites that do the picks, I, I've seen them everywhere from second through sixth in the Pacific Division, depending on who's doing the picking. Uh, I still like them. I still think they're a playoff team. I do really like the Sharks. I mean, you have two defensemen in Carlson and um, and Burns on the back well. end yeah. that both can play 30 minutes a night. So two defensemen can play half a game each, and all of a sudden you're just filling spots. Uh, the Sharks are deep. Uh, I love what Doug Wilson has done there, and I agree with you. I think they are the favorites to win their division. Uh, the Western Conference, again, very, very strong top to bottom. Uh, there's probably 11 teams to me, that are legitimate playoff caliber teams fighting for eight spots. Well, that's a good way to put it, and and I would I have the Oilers this season. I'm I'm, I'm optimistic that they can do enough to get in, uh, but I I don't place them as a Stanley Cup contender again because of some of my concerns. Depth on defense, maybe some of the scoring when you get deeper uh, into the year. Um, but you know, the one thing we've seen is. There, there's kind of that big middle in the NHL. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few elite teams and there's a few teams that are just in, in the trash can. And, and even the Oilers, I know last year was disappointing, 22nd, 23rd. Um, by, but, you know, if they could have had a hot streak instead of a cold streak, they, they could have flipped their record to 40 wins instead of 40 losses. And then, you know, you're, you're closer. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope that they can just do enough because I think – you know, like I said, even sometimes between tenth overall and and twentieth overall, that could be you know three three weeks of a hot goalie or three weeks of a hot power play where you scratch out a few extra wins. So I hope the Oilers can j- jump up in that category this year. Well, I agree. I think that you have teams uh, such as Nashville and Winnipeg and San Jose that are automatics. Right. Those are playoff teams. There's no question. It's just a matter of where they finish. Then after that, there's a group of, I think, eight teams in the Western Conference that are going to fight, and they could be anywhere from 2nd to 11th. And then there's going to be some also-rans. I, I think the Coyotes will be down there. I think Vancouver will be down there. Uh, Chicago is trending downward yeah, yeah. and in a lot of trouble because they're trending downward with 20 Two million tied up in two players, and one Patrick Kane still a very good hockey player. But Jonathan Taves, who I love, he's on the backside of his career too, making ten million. Yeah, and question marks about goaltending. I mean Crawford, Ward. Yeah, I, and, Crawford and Crawford been healthy. Yeah, exactly. I mean he's he's not he- or he's never healthy, and your backup's a guy that uh, has struggled the last number of years. So I think Chicago's another team that's going to be near the bottom of the Western Conference. Well, it starts for real tonight. Finally, we can start. We can. St- no longer have to start every sentence with it's only the preseason <laughs> Saturday morning 9.30 face-off show 11 a.m. puck drop Oilers against the Devils in Sweden Rob will be there we're going to roll into Oilers now so I'll stick with you Craig Simpson coming up we'll talk a little bit about the Seattle expansion bid we'll preview tonight's game between the Blades and the Oil Kings thanks to Kellen Kennedy Oilers win 4-3 in OT Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast Centre